Welcome back, everyone. You're watching We Heart Therapy, the special series EFT Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Annabelle Bugatti, licensed marriage and family therapist and certified EFT supervisor and therapist here in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm super excited to welcome to our show. We have Alexine Thompson. She is one of our beloved EFT trainers. She's in Switzerland, and she speaks a few languages, including French and Italian, which is so exciting. She's doing a tremendous job helping to build EFT out in her area, and she's agreed to join us today to talk about ADHD and EFT, and we're going to talk about this on two fronts, both ADHD on the client's end and if you're an ADHD therapist. So um, thank you again, Alexine, for joining us today and agreeing to share your insight on this topic with us. Thank you, Annabelle. It's great to be here, and I, I love your show, so it's an honor to be here and share a little Thanks. bit I know. <laughs> so just to sort of get everyone started off on maybe a common ground, can you maybe give everyone sort of an outline of ADHD, what we mean, um, or what somebody means when they say they have ADHD? How does that show up? What are the symptoms? Those kinds sure. of things. Sure. So ADHD stands for Attention Deficit and Hyperactivity Disorder. And the, the symptoms that you will observe in a person that's been diagnosed with that is um, um, distractibility, difficulty focusing, concentrating, disorganization, uh, difficulty prioritizing, difficulty thinking ahead, um, trouble multitasking, impulsiveness, Hyperactivity, if, if people have the, the age, not everyone has the age. Um, uh, frequent moves, mood swings, low frustration tolerance, difficulty regulating emotions, um, difficulty with memory, especially short-term memory. Uh, I mean, there's, a, there's a, a list that goes on that's longer than maybe what you would find in the DSM, but... Um, uh, restlessness as well, difficulty yeah. sitting still. Um, and so your hyperactivity might not always be like you're bouncing off the walls. It could look no. like you're just kind of restless, which is totally me, self-disclosure, <laughs> ADHD, and I definitely have a hard time sitting still. Right. Same clients get those fidget spinners that they uh -huh. hold. Shimmy feels really distracting, and I already chase squirrels. That's what we say <laughs> in the U.S. when someone has ADHD. Oh, yeah, yeah squirrels <laughs> yeah. yeah I use that I use that as well that, that word squirrel yeah yeah so you might like fidget a lot have hard time sitting still and so how does this show up in relationships or how does having ADHD potentially lead to issues in relationships right so I think that um I would say the main thing, you know, some, I think it's Ned Hallowell that talks about inconsistent attention. It's not necessarily, he says it's not necessarily deficit in attention, it's inconsistent attention. So a person with ADHD can actually be really focused and really attentive to something as long as it's interesting and stimulating. Um, and so what we see in the beginning of relationships when everything is new, There's all the oxytocin and, you know, the, the adrenaline and the dopamine um, and infatuation. You know, we can see um, a hyper-focus on the relationship, on the partner. 
And then over time, as the relationship gets more familiar, um, we can see a drop in that. And the, the non-ADHD partner can feel like, where, where did you go? Like, it seems like I don't matter to you. You are so preoccupied with these other things or I can't sustain your attention. Um, that's one aspect. Um, um, Melissa Orlov calls that the, the hyper-focused romance, romance, right, in the beginning. Um, and then I think also, you know, you add children to the mix and then suddenly um, your partner's forgetfulness, you know, it's just harder to, to deal with because the non-ADHD partner will start feeling like they have to hold everything and their, their partner is not really reliable. That yeah. consistency is not there. Um, and so you, the partner starts feeling more and more frustrated and that can manifest into, you know, like then you fall into a cycle of, of anger and pursue, withdraw or, or, or pursue, pursue, because, you know, it depends on the, whether the ADHD partner is a, is a pursuer or withdrawer, whether there's impulsivity, hyperactivity. Yeah. But yeah, that, I would say it adds to the, you know, it's hard. To, marriage is hard. Relationships are hard. And ADHD adds. Yeah. I like to add some important things. And I think one of the things that shows up for a lot of my clients is the, the memory thing. And this creates a lot of fights is because one spouse will maybe tell their ADHD partner something that they feel is important. Like, you know, I really hate when you do this thing, please don't do that anymore. And they're like, okay, I promise I'll never do that. But then they don't record it in their brain and then they keep doing it. And it comes up and up and then they get frustrated. It's like, how many times do we have to have this discussion? feels like yeah, even yeah. when I'm really calm and I'm nice and I ask you nicely and you yeah. make it seem like you're understanding and we're in agreement and everything's good. I have no indication that anything's going wrong, but yet it doesn't happen. So it can be so frustrating. And I know a lot of my clients will talk a lot about not having their partner's emotional presence, which... Um, is something we work with a lot in EFT and part of why EFT is so spectacular for ADHD. Um, but just feeling like um, they're not really fully present, like they don't attend to what's right in front of them because they chase squirrels so easily um, because they may move around a lot. It's like they may be multitasking, but they're not actually completing all the things that they are multitasking at. Right. They're never fully present with whatever is right in front of them. So they may, you know, I've had clients, multiple clients report their ADHD spouse will like forget to turn the stove off on many occasions because they get distracted and go off somewhere else. And then they like burn pans and all this kind of stuff. So, um, you know, those are just some of the other ways that it might show up. I know they also talk about how it can be hard to pay attention to details. And if you're somebody who's, super detail focus. Although on the other hand, you know, me as an ADHD clinician, you know, I'm like super detailed focused, but the exact thing is it has to be something really interesting, something really engaging. And when you learn how to work with ADHD, you can harness some of it and be super successful. And you just have to learn how to roll with it. You know, it can be. Yeah, 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 yeah force it into a box that it's never going to fit in. 
Yeah, I think that there's a lot, the danger when we work, when we're either in a relationship with an ADHD partner or we work with a couple where one of the partners has been diagnosed is that, is to, is to diagnose, is to look at it as, a, as a, um, uh, something that needs to be fixed, that's broken, that's bad, that's wrong. Um, and it's important to remember all the strengths that come with ADHD, you know, like creativity and energy and uh, uh, vitality, um, spontaneity, ability to, like, no, not holding grudges because you don't remember or focus on those things, right? So there's a lot of stuff that, but that unfortunately gets, unfortunately gets forgotten as the resentment and yeah. feeling let down experiences accumulate over time yeah so how do people go and well first off if somebody's maybe watching this video and they're wondering i wonder if i have adhd or i think maybe my partner might have it how do they go about getting a diagnosis yeah so there are a lot of tools online i think if you google uh diagnosing adhd or adhd tests you will find you will find tests online. You will also find tests in, in certain books like, um, I think, Ned Hallowell, Driven to Distraction, has, I, I think it has an inventory at the end of the book. So there's a, you can self-diagnose to get a sense, like, do I have this? Does it look like I have this? And then I would recommend, you know, going to see a psychiatrist and get a proper diagnosis because ADHD is one of those things nowadays that gets you know, maybe sometimes overly diagnosed, everyone seems to have it, everyone talks about it, yes. especially in children. I think as adults, you can, you know, make your own, you know, yourself. And yeah, uh, I would, I would, I would advise more caution when you're talking about children. But, you know, I think the best person to diagnose is a, is a psychiatrist who's specialized in that and then can prescribe with also medication if that's the way you choose to go, which is not a bad idea, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so I love what you're saying is, and I, I truly, truly agree with you about its overdiagnosis, especially in children. So let's just sort of think about that for a minute, because mm -hmm. we're talking about children, they naturally have a lot of energy, they're supposed to, they're young, yeah. they're, they have that vitality. And, you know, more and more, especially, I don't know how it is in European culture, but in American culture, we're much more homebound than we used to be. People don't have yards to play in. There's not a park down the street that they can go to. It's not a, almost not even safe to play out in the front like we used to as kids, you know, come in when the lights go off, you know, when the street lights come on. Um, so you have a lot of kids that are confined indoors and there's nowhere for this nervous energy to go. And there's a lot of schools that are cutting down PE, um, recess and so they're not getting that discharge of energy and um, you know then they come home and they they're playing video games they're not you know being put to exercise so more sitting um, and that energy is just not getting discharged and then if they're giving given sugar to eat that's going to add to it and and there is literally sugar in everything in American culture I mean you can't even buy tomato sauce without it having sugar in it your bread has sugar in it so they're getting high doses of yeah. sugar and not much of an energy discharge so 
you know, it can be hard for them to sit still anyway, to not be bouncing off the walls. And it's hard to focus anyway when your body is just all over the place. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. I think there are a lot of things in our culture that contribute, right, and that, that participate in the difficulty uh, staying focused, concentrating, uh, accomplishing goals, finishing tasks, you know, the, the whole, the, this constant stimulation, yes. like you mentioned, through the media. Or the, that is the so important when we're talking like the screen culture where we have kids yeah. with iPhones and iPads and even TV. My husband's in entertainment and they've talked about how it's changed um, that rapid stimulation that, yeah. old, you know, putting on a production in the old days you know, was so much different than it is now. There's so much pressure to like change scenes rapidly all the time. And that's part of the phone culture. And it's almost like inducing that in inattentivity because somebody can expect to have a new stimulus every couple seconds and they're scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And it's, it's also stimulating the retinas, which keeps the brain awake. So they're having rapid changes new stimuli and stimulated retina. So, I mean, it's definitely contributing to that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, and, you know, um, ADHD is hereditary. It's genetically transmitted often, but there are also, you know, environmental factors that play a role in this. And these certainly don't help at all. Um, and it's interesting, you know, I think one of the ways to manage ADHD that's super important is to exercise, is to move, is to get oxygen flowing, you know, through your blood, through, to your brain. Um, that, that really helps uh, people focus. Yeah. Although also all they need to do something like that before they can actually Yes, and that's right. Like, if you need your kids to sit and focus and do their homework, you know, it's recommended they go out and run around the block, do some jumping jacks, some kind of exercise first before you have them sit, try to sit still. And obviously, don't give them sugary snacks, Oreos, and junk food to eat before you're trying to get them to do homework. Um, You know, some more self disclosure about my own journey with ADHD is. You know, I'm the type of person I don't like to take medication if I don't have to. I like to do things the natural way. And especially as a marriage and family therapist, I chose that over going into other forms of mental health where you would diagnose and give medication because I believe a lot of things can be treated without medication. And um, one of the reasons, um, one of the ways I knew that I really had ADHD, like really is I literally tried everything um, natural that there was, and it just yeah. helping it. And I looked back um, on the signs as a child, and they were always there. And we didn't know anything about ADHD back then. But um, one of the major signs as a kid was I had trouble comprehending, um, retaining and comprehending um, material at school. So an example okay. would be I would read a book, And I could speed read. I was a great reader. I could read out loud. I wouldn't stumble. But I could read a paragraph, a page, and have no idea what I just read. read Again, and still have no idea what I just read. And I'd have to read it and read it and read it. And it felt like so much work that I would get tired and I just, my brain would shut down and I'd want to go to sleep. And the information just, it wasn't making it inside. And I had a hard time, like, 
putting the information together. Um, I had to have stuff be very tangible and abstract. And when you're reading literature and stuff that's, that's more abstract, you know, yeah. I couldn't process that information. So, and strangely enough, the more I exercised, the worse it got because you give me the energy power to go with my brain power. Now I'm like literally everywhere. So, and my right. parents didn't give me sugar. They, my mom was actually very strict about sugar. Um, so looking back and, and I was impulsive as a kid. And so looking back, I realized, oh my gosh, it's always been there. That explains so much about me. Mm -hmm. And even as a clinician, you know, somebody, I went through a graduate program, I got a master's and a PhD. It's hard when you have ADHD and you can't like retain information. And, you know, one of the things I learned to do was to accept that this is how I learn and stop trying to force myself to learn the ways that other people learn and adapt my, my education to my learning style. So I would have to take notes and really funny, I would, I have like a bag of colored markers that I use to take my notes so that I could organize them. And all my professors thought it was really neurotic, but again, ADHD brain, you got to have some, a squirrel that your brain can go to and chase, but that, that squirrel is actually information that can help you. So yeah. just kind of a funny thing, but you know, I'm a great sprinter and I think a lot of, um, both physically and metaphorically, I think a lot of ADHD people are like burst, strong burst of attention and then you start to lose it. So I learned just to set up my learning, my projects, my deadlines in marathons or in sprints, and then you sprint your way through a marathon. If you have a long project that's a marathon, you set it up and, and my extreme fear of failure would not let me fail. So <laughs> I was very deadline driven and I just set really short deadlines so that yeah. I felt like, I, okay, I sprinted, I'm good, I could take a break, you know, so. But, yeah, everything you're saying really speaks to the importance of knowing, of knowing, your, knowing that you have ADHD, knowing how it works, knowing that it's not your fault, that it's, it's your brain is, is, not, is working differently, right? Yeah. The, it's something with the prefrontal cortex that's not really... Um, functioning in the same way that it does for a non-ADHD person. And then it's about finding strategies, outside strategies to manage that. Um, you're going to have to create a, an external memory system, you know, so you remember stuff. But if you don't know that and you, and you live with all these, all these problems that show up in the relationship and your partner looks at you like, Why, what's so hard about remembering? I, I, I told you to go to the store and bring two things and you only brought one and you forgot, right? That's like the breakup scene with uh, Jennifer Aniston saying, I asked you for 12 lemons and you only brought me three. <laughs> um, you yeah. know, for a non-ADHD person who doesn't know that, who doesn't know the challenge that it is and doesn't understand that it's, it's, just, it's just a different way the brain is wired, they're going to go crazy looking at their partner and saying, what, what is wrong with you? And, and the, and the non-diagnosed ADHD partner who has maybe as you like through their whole childhood experience, difficulty, failure, um, you know, difference, inability to complete certain tasks that seem so easy for others, um, then can easily sink into shame and, and failure and hiding and like, 
you know, burying their head in the sand because it's like if I don't feel it, it doesn't exist, or that would be the withdrawer, the yeah. ADHD, right? And the pursuer would be somebody that gets really defensive and aggressive and attacks and just, yes, you know, blames back. So I think that diagnosing is is actually really really important. Yeah. So if we have a couple that comes in, so if we're the therapist and we have a couple that comes in and one person says, you know, I, I have ADHD or I think my partner has ADHD or they maybe they don't have an official diagnosis, but, you know, they talk about signs. How would we put that? So in EFT, we have the cycle, you know, we externalize couples problems as this pattern, the cycle that they get caught into. How would we put the ADHD behaviors um, into the cycle as we're working with the couple? Um, so uh, it, so you, you have different, mm -hmm. different situations, right? If you have an ADHD partner who's, uh, let's start with, because that's what I see most of, but that's not the only case, but I'll see an angry non-ADHD pursuing partner that is so burnt out and so fed up and so frustrated with their ADHD partner who is um, has numbed out and is more shut down and is unresponsive or has learned to yeah to numb to disconnect from the blame um, and so you'll see a lot of anger in the pursuing non-ADHD partner a lot of blame a lot of frustration and if you dig a little. Um, what you'll find out is that that person is really exhausted and feels very alone and feels let down, forgotten, um, not loved, not important, invisible, unheard. So what they do is they get louder and louder and they insist and they just want to shake up their partner and, and they express this belief and how, how is this possible that you forgot that or how could you not remember that or how could you not finish this task? It's so simple, right? Um, and what that does to the ADHD withdrawer is that it only pushes on the button that's already been pushed on their whole life which is I'm inadequate, I'm unable, I'm not um, enough, I'm not capable. And there's a, often the hidden, the hidden um, side of ADHD, it, or at least something I didn't realize, is shame, deep, deep shame. Mm -hmm. um, and so the anger of the partner just, just exacerbates all that. And what, what the partner does with shame can look, if, if, if the ADHD person is... But with Dora, they, they will just numb out and look indifferent or just not respond or, or say the right thing. But then, of course, that doesn't stick because they forget. Or, um, or if they are a pursuer or a reactive withdrawer, they will, they will react and they will defend themselves and they will attack and they will blame back and they will get highly sensitive. There's a high sensitivity that can come with ADHD as well because there's been so much criticism. You're lazy, you're stupid, you're, you know. Yeah. Those are things sometimes they, if they haven't been diagnosed in childhood, those are things they might have heard often. So there's a lot of pain underneath that's not, not always visible and certainly not visible to the partner. And so what I, what I want to do is what I do with any couple, actually, is just kind of slow it down and, um, and track what is happening, what they're each doing, and, and slowly start to access primary, which can be tricky if 
you know, they're, they're struggling just to be present. Yes. And to yes. just like here. And this is, this is one way um, in which I found that uh, EFT is, can be so helpful for somebody with ADHD is that slowing down part because we're, we're so all over the place that slowing down can generally be pretty difficult. And um, I do know a lot of, of ADHD pursuers, I myself am one, and we can be prone to a lot of emotion, but having, knowing that you have a lot of emotion isn't the same as being aware of your, um, like what exactly the emotion is, organizing it, making sense of it. So slowing it down, and being able to actually like organize that emotion is such a different experience than just blah, like yes. having this impulsive emotionality all over the place that nobody understands. And they're like, where, where did that come from? What's wrong with you? Why did you just go from zero to a hundred? And I don't yeah. get it, <laughs> you know? So having them really slow down and start to tune in. And oftentimes they're not aware of when they go away because again it's such an automatic natural thing for someone with ADHD to just chase the squirrel that a lot of times they don't even realize when they okay. chase the squirrel where they go away where their partner loses them so I, I think that EFT can be so beautiful and so helpful for these couples and even these individuals just starting to focus inward more and paying attention and noticing what their move is right there when when they start to disappear, how that impacts their partner, yeah. um, just helping them to pay attention. And they, they're able to learn some new skills, at least to pay attention to themselves and how it shows up in the relationship, which is amazing. Right, right. right. Yeah, and I think it's also helpful to the, the partner to, to witness that and then to be, you know, to hear that from their partner. Um, to get some understanding that I, I feel like in the work I've done with those couples, like there's also a little bit of a psycho ed part that, um, but kind of like in the same way, I like the way Leanne Campbell does that with trauma, how she slides information in there in a very soft, gentle, evocative way, just to say, you know, this is so normal and this is what's happening to your brain right now. And it's okay. And we're going to like, I mean, you know, I'm going to ride the wave with you. I'm, I'm in there with you and we're going to take it slow. And so, you know, I feel like um, with ADHD, one thing, one piece that feels really important to me is to just to sort of catch it in the moment and slide some information like that, right? That this is, this is what happens and, you, and you, you're not even aware of it. You, you don't feel like you can control that. But this is what's going on, right? And this is what you're wrestling with. And it's got to be so disconcerting when it happens over and over again, despite your best intentions, like it slips away, right? So, yeah, I just feel like normalizing that is really important um, for both partners because the non-ADHD partner often times has, really has trouble yeah, they have no idea what's going on in that inner world. They just think their partner's like either absent-minded or just doesn't care. And that feels really bad if you're on the receiving end. And, and it's not a lack of caring at all. And oh, exactly. That's the problem is that the symptoms 
can convey messages such as you, you don't matter to me, you're forgettable, uh, I don't care. Or especially if I've told you something multiple times over and over and it still doesn't get done and, and you're giving me all these signs that make it seem like you get it, then it just seems like you're not doing it because you just don't care. And that is yeah. frustrating. That's right. a lot of couples with ADHD have that come up front and center. Like, I really don't believe this is your ADHD. I know you're intelligent. I know you're smart. You're capable of remembering other things. So you must just not care about me. And that's why you just don't do these things. Like you're doing it to be obstinate or stubborn, you know? Yeah. They don't. No, absolutely. And the, the funny thing is the harder, there's something about the way the prefrontal cortex works for an ADHD person is that the harder they try, the worse it gets. Yes. Right? It sort of like stops everything from working. Yes. Um, yeah, I can, I can attest to that because, you know, I, I did very well in school, but again, only because I um, had a very big fear of failure and I had parents who are very strict and, and set good boundaries too, but I had to work like four times as hard mm -hmm. as every other kid to get to the same place. And it was exhausting. And it was a very social creature. So, of course, I loved school for that aspect. Um, but I had to work really hard. And, and I wish that I had Adderall as a kid, honestly. It would have been a godsend for me. But also, you know, exercise. We had no sugar. Had all the other things going for us. And yeah. even I was an adult. And it is such a challenge to feel. And that, that's part of what creates a lot of shame is feeling like you just can't catch on to things as quickly as other people. Right. Or as an adult, as an ADHD adult, it's the brain fog. There is this strange brain fog that just does not allow your brain to record information. And it's so mm -hmm. frustrating just to be the person that wants to remember something. You know it's in, important and it just feels like nothing makes it into your brain. And it's so hard. <laughs> right. And, and just the way you're describing that, you know, that, I mean, to, to me, that feels really vulnerable as you're talking about that. And I think that's what we want to help them convey. Like, it's, it's so hard. It's so hard to be me. Um, it's so hard to wrestle with this. And, um, and I see how hard it is for you. To understand that, but just oh, I struggle with that, and it's painful and it's difficult and it's discouraging at times. And I think that can be an entry door into the primary emotions is just to, to talk about what it's like for them to be to be in that position of the one that can't remember, the one that forgets, the one that gets distracted. Yeah. Um, if if it's too hard to talk about, you know. Yeah. So in, in one of EFT with uh, the ADHD clients, we would be mapping out how this shows up in their relationship, like the behavioral ways it manifests, the emotional impact, um, help them organize it, make sense of it. And then when we move into stage two and we're helping them bond, this is where we're getting really vulnerable and, you know, when the couple can get more vulnerable about this, um, it's easier for them to come up with solutions that they need together as a couple to yeah. make changes to their lifestyle or their habits to be successful. But it's yeah. hard yeah. to do when one person feels 
criticized or shamed for their limitations um, and the other person just feels like the other person is doing things intentionally because they just don't care enough to remember. Um, And so it puts both partners in a really hard spot. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that, I think for me, the escalation, um, you know, that it's, it's so easy to blame it on the ADHD partner. It's so easy because they carry the symptoms. And oftentimes the cycle starts with a, a symptom, right? That triggers something, but it's, um, I really like the way Melissa or love, she wrote this two books, you know, the, um, ADHD effect on marriage. And then, uh, the couple's guide to thriving with ADHD, I think it's called. And I really love those two books. They're, they're, they're good. They, they're very um, clear in explaining what it's like for each partner. And then they, she gives very practical solutions. But I think that um, she says, you know, they, they both have to take ownership of their steps in the, in the cycle. And she, she doesn't use those terms, but in the dance, right? And the, the non-ADHD partner who has been criticizing and blaming and angry needs to, that needs to be owned and they need to really access what's the vulnerability underneath and learn to communicate that the disappointment or the hurt in a non-aggressive way because anger will never ever get them what they what they want it will only exacerbate the blame which then makes the partner not own there's there can be a lot of denial also for the ADHD partner and the end what she says also is the ADHD partner really needs to take they're the only one that can take care, that can address their ADHD. The other partner has no control over that. And that's probably what drives them crazy and makes them really angry because they have no control. And they may try, they may nitpick and, and try yeah. to doctor and it just doesn't work. Right. Yeah. Right. So the, the best thing I think an ADHD partner can do, oops, I think I lost you. Okay, there we are. The best thing an ADHD partner can do is to to address, to seek treatment, right? To seek, to get diagnosed and then to take care of that aspect. Yeah. Um, that says to their partner, you matter to me enough that I'm going to take this seriously. Yeah. But then the best thing the non-ADHD partner can do is to develop that understanding, ed- educate themselves about how that works and and learn to communicate with without the anger yeah yeah and so we help them sort of get to that place through a de-escalation by learning you know the impact of their react reaction or passivity or whatever on each other yes i love what you're saying you know especially for the adhd person and this is going to be really helpful you know, not just for their partner in their love relationship, but part of owning their symptoms, owning the impact of their symptoms on their life is going to help them reclaim it, um, get as much control over it as they can, and be the best version of themselves. Because they, even they themselves deserve it. Not only does their partner and their family deserve it, but they deserve it. They deserve to not suffer and with this, this cloud over them. And I think, you know, as a clinician with ADHD, it's, it's the same thing as recognizing how 
ADHD symptoms might impact my work, my ability to stay present in session. And, um, you know, because sometimes it's easy to sort of zone out and chase a squirrel, thinking about your grocery list, and then you miss something so important that the client just said, and you're like, oh my gosh, like, what did they say? I totally missed it. And and it can be really embarrassing. And EFT is the kind of therapy model where you have to be really present. It mm-hmm. demands almost a, a level of such attention that it's almost hyper-focused because there's so many things yeah. going on. And I think in some ways that's, that is so transformational for someone with ADHD because there's actually a lot of squirrels to chase. So because there's so many things going on in the room, it requires you, it's, it's such a challenge to require you to pay attention to all these things. So in a lot of ways, it can really help you get the kind of focus you've never been able to have. And you learn strategies to slow yourself down so that you can be present with other people. And it helps you to learn how to be present with yourself. It's like you just become a master of the skills you never had by learning to even be an EFT therapist. So I think it's completely transformational and it just really helps you slow down, which is always the thing, you know, looking back in school, people, you know, you'd have those icebreakers in your courses in college and the professors are always like, name one quality you'd like to change or, you know, associate yourself with an animal. And it was always the same thing. Like I would, I would associate myself with a turtle because I said I wanted to learn how to slow down. And EFT taught me how to do that. So it's just funny that that was always there. And I never realized what it was until later on in life. And, you know, of course, I do take medication. And that's been very helpful. But, you know, watching all the other things, but EFT has been so helpful for me Mm -hmm. as a person to slow down, to know myself, because when I can lean in and pay attention to my exits, I can get more control over. I can bring myself back. And again, I can also resource myself with what I need to be successful, to meet deadlines, to stay grounded. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I That's think- great. That's great to hear, to hear that side of, of it, right? And how EFT has been helpful. And it sounds like you've been super intentional about it also. And Yes really harvested the fruits of that yes and that's what it takes if you're a couple in therapy and one of your partners has adhd or you have adhd or you're a therapist practicing counseling and you have adhd to be intentional right that is one of the only ways and even if you don't have adhd just being intentional about how you want to be better how you want to have health in your life just to be intentional is the way you get control over any of the problems. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I think um, it's just so wonderful to have uh, the EFT model and there's a lot of hope for couples. I know when they come into your office, a lot of times they feel so burned out or frustrated, like, you know, how is this ever going to get better? Um, And EFT really offers that hope that even with attention problems, you know, I I love that piece that you said about inconsistent focus, right? Because we could hyper focus for a minute, but then lose it. 
And, um, you know, then we just go away, right? And you don't even notice you've gone away, right? And so this is going to be so helpful and it's going to offer hope for couples. So Mm -hmm. you have any, any other, you mentioned a few really good titles um, and um, maybe I'll get the link for those if they're on Amazon or something and I can link them in the video. Now, do you offer any workshops or training um, on EFT, ADHD? So that's the plan. <laughs> it's a work in progress. I'm working with my colleague in Zurich, Ben Knobuler, and our, our dream is to develop a workshop on the topic um, to help EFT therapists work with couples that are affected by ADHD. Um, so doing this podcast was a motivator to get going, and we're, we're meeting soon, and we're meeting regularly to just, just sort of brainstorm and discuss but um hopefully by 2021 we'll have something going so and otherwise for maybe therapists that want to look you up as you're an eft trainer in europe if they want to maybe attend a training that you have or invite you out to their area um, or if there's a couple looking for therapy in switzerland uh, how can people find you or get in touch with you so the, the easiest way is to just Google my name, Alexine Thompson, MFT, and you'll find my website because it's sermoifard.com, but it's less, that's French and <laughs> not everyone speaks French. Or you can just email me at athompson.mft at gmail.com. So that's A-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N dot M-F-T at gmail.com. Perfect. And there, so We Heart Therapy is a podcast now on iTunes and Podbean. So, you know, if you guys are listening to this on the podcast, you'll have to just rewind and take notes. Um, but if you're watching this video on YouTube, I will put a link to Alexine's website, even, even in French, uh, on the description for the video, as well as your email address so that people can find you and get in touch with you. So that'll be wonderful. And uh, I'll also put some of the names of the books that you offered. Um, yeah. That's that's pretty exciting. I didn't even uh, realize, I guess I never looked before that there are books for couples with ADHD. And, and I think that's phenomenal. So those resources are great. So yeah. thank you so much for being with us today and, and sharing with us about ADHD and EFT and just for being such a valuable part of the EFT community. Thank you, Annabelle. Thanks for having me and for everything you're doing for EFT. Thank you so much. And thank you to our viewers. Um, You guys are making this successful and I just appreciate all of your support and your loving feedback. And just make sure that you hit subscribe because more videos are on the way.